Hi, everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to this year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rokraut. And today we have our 2022 movie preview for everyone. We are taking a break from talking about this year's Oscar movies, and we are looking ahead into the future, talking about all sorts of new movies coming out and what we're excited for. Yeah, researching these movies was pretty exciting, just kind of seeing the wide variety that we'll be getting this year. Awards players, just fun movies. We'll also go over some Sundance movies since that's currently happening. And everything that was delayed from last year to this year, and then some already delayed into next year. Namely, Mission Impossible 7, which that news just came out yesterday. So not one I was exactly holding my breath for, but we're still seeing this continuation of delayed movies. So I wonder what else is going to happen. We'll get to some of those as well. I know when I saw that, I was bummed out by it, but I was also like, please don't let Top Gun Maverick be next. I just need this to come out so I can believe that this is a real movie and I can see it. I think what's funny is we'll start out by going over movies that are supposed to come out this year that we talked about on our 2021 movie preview. A full year ago. It's like a full year ago at this point. I guess just starting off, one that has been on my most anticipated since I found out about it is Nicolas Cage's The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I know he's kind of hinted at this in interviews throughout award season talking about Pig and Prisoners of the Ghost Land, which came out last year during Sundance as well. But this still seems like such an insane movie. It's about a cash-strapped Nicolas Cage playing himself who agrees to make a paid appearance at a billionaire superfan's birthday party but is really an informant for the CAA since the billionaire fan is a drug kingpin and gets cast in a Tarantino movie and I remember talking about how he has to like act out certain scenes from his previous filmography and I'm Mm -hmm. hoping National Treasure is in there like just give us everything because that's all he's been doing lately and I love it right we need national treasure I need moonstruck for sure (laughs) I would love if there was a reshoot that happened and we got his character from pig (laughs) (laughs) because I think when we talked about this last year pig wasn't really on our radar that kind of came out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and he ended up giving this tremendous performance in it one of my favorites of the year I will always back Nicolas Cage in whatever he's doing, but this sounds particularly off the wall and I'm very excited to see it. April 22nd, supposedly we will get it, so Mm -hmm. this spring. And then also on April 22nd, we get one of my most anticipated movies of the year, The Northman, which is Robert Eggers' follow-up to The Lighthouse. This is this epic revenge thriller about a Viking prince avenging his father's murder Alexander Skarsgård is the Viking prince, which makes me very Mm -hmm. happy. Nicole Kidman, who played his wife on Big Little Lies, is playing his mother, which will be interesting. We also have Willem Dafoe, Anya Taylor-Joy, Ethan Hawke, and Bjork. Anytime Bjork is in anything, I'm excited. And this trailer is pretty cool. It's a very epic trailer, and I am also excited for this. I think the cast, how Bjork looks in this movie is so spooky You have probably like 50% of the time shirtless Alexander Skarsgård, great actors. This is going to be Eggers' biggest film to date. So I'm hopeful that he can pull it off. 
Next, we have the movie I teased at the beginning, Top Gun Maverick, supposedly coming to us on May 27th. Let's just go through this delay journey here. This was originally supposed to come out July 12th, 2019, but then they delayed it for VFX work, moved to June 2020, then to December 2020, then to July 2021, to November 2021, and now we have May 27th, 2022. I can't wait for this movie, mainly because John Hamm is playing a character named Vice Admiral Cyclone. I am here for whatever that is. <laughs> this movie also has Tom Cruise, obviously. Um, Glenn Powell, who I also love, should be a pretty big cast. And it's mostly just kind of how I felt about No Time to Die, where I just thought, is this movie really happening? It feels like some milestone we have to get to. Yeah, I think once all of those big movies started delaying, this just got pulled with it. And having a $150 million budget, they need to make that back. You know, it kind of sounds like Mm -hmm. how Dune was at first. And being from Paramount Pictures, Wikipedia says that it will also be able to stream on Paramount Plus 45 days after its theatrical debut. And I think we're going to be seeing that a lot this year. We have a lot of streaming platforms either partnering with the studios or just releasing straight on those platforms right paramount needs this i think that's why it it's been getting delayed so much like paramount has lost a lot of money and this is their one property i think they thought okay we really need to hang on to this we this Mm -hmm. has to make money for us and then next up also one of my highly anticipated is don't worry darling which is olivia wilde's follow-up to booksmart her sophomore directing piece. The big stars here, Florence Pugh and Harry Styles replacing Shia LaBeouf. And there was so much drama on set with that. I'm glad that happened because them two together, this is going to be wild. I've heard great things about Florence's performance. It's about a 1950s housewife living with her husband in a utopian experimental community who begins to worry that his glamorous company may be hiding disturbing secrets. I can't wait to see this, especially because the last time we talked about this movie, Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles were not publicly in a relationship yet. Oh, yeah. I mean, go Olivia. I would do the same thing, I'm sure, if I was directing Harry Styles in a movie, or I would try at least. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, I need to see ground zero for their relationship. I want to see how she shoots him. I'm imagining it captures Harry Styles in a very good light. (laughs) This is like the friend from Love Actually capturing Keira Knightley. Like it's just just him the whole time. (laughs) And the trailer looks good. Like it's very steamy. And I mean, Florence Pugh, she's pretty much the best part of every movie she's been in that we've Mm -hmm. seen so far. So I imagine she's going to do great work in this movie as well. So I'm very excited to see it the concept sounds very interesting and i liked booksmart i know you did too so loved it yeah this is much more dramatic than booksmart so i'm interested to see how she tackles these different genres a movie i'm less excited about but we've talked about quite a bit at least earlier on in the year was david o russell's canterbury glass this is supposed to come out november 4th We predicted this in multiple categories in our very early Oscar predictions episode. This cast has Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, two of your favorites, Taylor Swift and Anya Taylor-Joy. So I know you're probably so excited to see this. Yeah, we haven't seen anything from this yet, and I'm okay with that for now. (laughs) 
David O. Russell is also a complicated individual, and I do not know why people are signing on to make movies with him. (laughs) That's where I'll leave it for now. So our next film, which has not been dated, but is supposed to be coming out this year, is Blonde, which is directed by Andrew Dominic, and it is a biopic about Marilyn Monroe, starring my hottest character from 2021, (laughs) Ana (laughs) de Also stars Bobby Cannavale, Adrian Brody, Julianne Nicholson. So sounds like a great cast. It could have that potential for awards attention, and it will be distributed by Netflix. Yeah, this one I'm really curious about because I know that there was some drama or discussion on Twitter about the cut of this movie and it being a bit graphic and very detailed on Marilyn Monroe's life in a way that made me a little bit nervous. But I mean, I'm excited to see it. Speaking of Ana de Armas, what is happening (laughs) with Deepwater? Adrian Lyne's erotic thriller that has been buried, I think, Mm -hmm. because of the Benefer 2.0 relationship. I think this is a PR nightmare for them. But I want this movie. When are we ever going to get it? It went off of Disney's slate. It's done. I mean, the movie is finished. Apparently, we're getting a Hulu release. But when? Mm -hmm. It's a Patricia Highsmith adaptation, and we know we love those. But yeah, I really need this. I mean, it also stars Jacob Elordi. So we know that all hell breaks loose in this movie. And I don't know why Disney is distributing this. (laughs) I know. I think, you know, after Euphoria ends and Anita Jacob Elordi fix again, it's just going to appear magically one Friday morning and I'm going to be very happy. I want it to be a director's cut, though. Like, just... (laughs) And rest assured when that happens, we will be here with our commentary on whatever this movie is. I mean, it is a Euphoria collaboration because Sam Levinson is co-writer of the script as well. Oh, Lord, I didn't know that. (laughs) So right now, like I mentioned, Sundance is happening. So we've had a lot of the reviews from opening pictures coming in. I think overall, like, it's pretty average. And I feel like that's typical, though, for a lot of Sundance releases. But we do have a few, you know, like we're still talking about now, Coda, Summer of Soul, that win awards and show up next year. So I'm kind of curious what those will be. And Coda from last year was also the biggest sale. It was a $25 million purchase from Apple, which was larger than the previous $22.5 million from Palm Springs. And so far, we've only had one sale, and that is Fresh, which is a directorial debut for Mimi Cave and stars Sebastian Stan and Daisy Edgar-Jones from Normal People. This will be a Searchlight release on Hulu in March, so this is actually pretty soon. And it's about the horrors of modern dating seen through one young woman's defiant battle to survive her new boyfriend's unusual appetites. That sounds very exciting to me. I love Sebastian Stan. Daisy Edgar Jones, too. She was great in Normal People. This doesn't feel, I guess, like the thing out of Sundance that you were kind of talking about. I think usually we have one dramatic feature that connects with people and one documentary, maybe even more documentaries. But Mm -hmm. yeah, this doesn't necessarily feel like it will be that audience winner based on what we've seen so far. But I'm very excited to see it. It feels very up my alley. Kind of like cutesy, thriller, rom com y with a little horror in it. Mm-hmm. Our next movie 
I have been so excited to see the response to this online, and that is my favorite movie out of Cannes, After Yang. After Yang is Koganada's follow-up to Columbus, one of my favorite movies of 2017. Um, this movie stars Colin Farrell, Haley Lou Richardson, Jodie Turner-Smith, Justin H. Min, and it's about this new world in the future where robot children are live-in babysitters. It's a fascinating concept, features one of the best title sequences of the year for sure, I can hmm. say that now, and... One day, Yang, who is the robot family member, he's unresponsive. So what follows is how to deal with that and how to try to fix Yang, who is, yes, a robot, but also a member of their family. Um, It is very meditative and beautiful. I love this film, and I will not be surprised if it remains at the top of my list for 2022. And we'll go over some of A24's other releases from the year, but this will also be from A24, so... It isn't dated yet. A24's website just says 2022. Hopefully it gets a really strong proper release and awards push. I think this could definitely connect with critics especially, but it's a major technical achievement as well. I would love to see it get recognized in categories like cinematography, sound, visual effects. It's a masterwork. A couple others from Sundance that either have big actors or known filmmakers. First off, When You Finish Saving the World is Jesse Eisenberg's directorial debut. It stars Finn Wolfhard and Julianne Moore. This is also an A24 release. And then Cha Cha Real Smooth, which I'm kind of excited about because it's made by Cooper Rafe, who made Shithouse from last year. And that was just kind of a fun, slow rom-com heavy on the dialogue and I liked what he was doing and the stars Dakota Johnson himself Leslie Mann and Raul Castillo so I like these actors I'm excited to see what this becomes I don't think it's premiered yet either yeah I'm really excited for that one shithouse was such a lovely surprise I was very hesitant to check it out based on the title but don't let that deter you (laughs) and when you finish saving the world I know it's gotten kind of mixed reviews so far but Julianne Moore. If she's in a movie, I'm going to watch Mm -hmm. it. Some other ones that we have coming. Alice. This is a movie that stars Kiki Palmer. And it's about this woman who she's enslaved in a 19th century plantation in Georgia, but she escapes and discovers that it's actually 1973. So I'm very curious about that Mm -hmm. concept and love Kiki. And that has a March 18th theatrical release right now. Another one that hasn't been picked up by a distributor yet, but I am just very curious about. It's a feature film by Lena Dunham. It's called Sharp Stick. I'm just going to read you the description because, my God, this is a Lena Dunham movie. Sarah Jo is a 26-year-old woman whose carnal development is interrupted by a hysterectomy at age 17. When Sarah Jo, a babysitter, loses her virginity to her employer, it unleashes within her something wild, alien, and wonderful. What? I don't know. (laughs) It's giving me girls vibes. And I know Lena talked recently about rebooting girls. So I'm just curious about that. But the cast is interesting. It has Taylor Page, Jennifer Jason Lee, Tommy Dorfman, John Bernthal. I hope Mm. that John Bernthal plays the employer. (laughs) I'm sure this will get bought at some point during the festival. Like Mm -hmm. such a big name by her. The next one we have is called Jane, and this stars Elizabeth Banks and Sigourney Weaver, a married woman living in pre-Roe v. Wade Chicago with a life-threatening pregnancy 
works with the underground Jane Collective that finds safely arranged abortions. The interesting thing here is this isn't the only movie about the Jane Collective at Sundance. So I'm curious about this. I think with everything going on with, you know, the horrors in the Supreme Court right now, trying to abolish Roe v. Wade, we might get more movies like this. So I'm very curious about this and excited to check it out. Is there a documentary as well, or is it a narrative feature? The other one is called The Janes, and this one is a documentary. So we have one in narrative competition and one in the documentary competition. So getting into 2022 actual releases now, uh, we'll talk about some big ones here in a second. But before we do that, we want to talk about the first big movie of 2022, which was Scream. And we both saw it. I loved it so much. It's exactly what I wanted. They had such a robust marketing campaign for this movie. And that usually is not a good thing. But I think they just played into that horror, that camp that this whole franchise has been about. So just kind of a continuation, the description, Sidney Prescott must return to Woodsboro to uncover the truth when a new Ghostface killer emerges. And the word they use in this movie to describe it is a requel, where it's not quite a reboot, and it's not quite a sequel. It's kind of a mix of the two. So you get like this reimagined version of the original. And somebody recently had compared it to The Matrix Resurrections, and I am totally not for that. I thought that was a horrible way of bringing it back, but I thought this was really inventive, changed things around, and was still a lot of fun. So my favorite cast member in this movie is Jenna Ortega, who plays this woman named Tara. She's like the younger sister. She's the kind of Drew Barrymore character that we get at the beginning. She's very charismatic, perfect for this movie, and I love how the movie opens with her because it definitely pokes fun at this elevated horror concept (laughs) that we've been getting, and I absolutely died. She, at one point, says to Ghostface, ask me about Hereditary, and I lost it because that is is 100% the movie I would ask Ghostface to Mm -hmm. quiz me about if I had to pick a horror movie, I think, so I loved that. I do have some like minor quibbles with it. I think that I will always want more Sydney Prescott and Gail Weathers. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to be in it a little bit more, but it definitely has my favorite third act of any Scream movie besides the original 1996 version. I think the third act is incredible, plays mm-hmm. so well, is so much fun, has some amazing kills in it. Some of the beginning didn't work as well for me, like leading up to it, but I absolutely love the ending. I think if you are a fan of these movies, this is a very worthy entry, but I also even like Scream 3, so I'm maybe not <laughs> the right person to ask <laughs> about that. Scream 3 is so fun. People who crap on this as like the worst entry in the franchise, it's like, I don't know, okay. you're being too serious about it. Like, yeah. Parker Posey is all I want. Like, that is... Uh, Her <laughs> pants? So good. Those low-rise yeah. pants that she's wearing? Oh, my God, incredible. And that one, too, came at the perfect time because it really did kind of usher in the new decade of horror head in the early 2000s. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. People are too hard on it. But all this to say, I think it mm-hmm. is probably, like, the most successful <clears throat> franchise as a whole for me in horror and I think that this one was a good entry there is a, a certain presence of one character that I 
definitely didn't need. I'm not going to spoil what that is, but I thought it was a little much. But I would recommend it. Absolutely. It's fun. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that from the trailer, at least, I'm not spoiling that, like, maybe there's one character that's here to kind of, like, take over as the new Sydney. And I was really scared about that because I do love having mm-hmm. Neve there, having Courtney there, David, you know, all of the originals. But it all kind of works out very well. And this movie is also just a huge ode. I mean, it ends saying ode to Wes, but there are so many mentions of one through four happening. You know, we have Mm -hmm. the hospital from four and like some of the original houses from the first scream. I think I had like my most audible scream during one of the kills, like in any movie I've ever seen in a theater. It is so much fun. So I enjoyed that. It's a very cathartic moment um, or just, you know, feeling. These movies to me aren't like scary, scary. Like they're fun, scary. Mm -hmm. They're not going to keep me up at night. So I would recommend that everyone see this. If you have seen the previous ones, if not, go back and watch them. It's totally worth it. I think what they did here is reinvent the wheel kind of. And I will be excited to see it kind of took me by surprise to realize four came out 11 years ago so maybe in another 10 plus years we'll get six and i'm super interested to see what they'll do there four came out 11 years ago isn't that wild yeah i did not realize that i missed that even though i did a full rewatch of all of them leading up to the movie <laughs> Okay, so let's get into some big 2022 releases. The way that we've done this, we've kind of categorized these movies based on where we think they'll fit into our discussions in the year ahead and like what types of movies they are. And the first category we have, these are kind of IP, franchise, big box office potential movies. The first one... I don't really know if it fits into any of these categories, (laughs) but I had to include it because it is the trailer I have seen Mm. before every single movie I have gone to see over the past month. And that is Marry Me, starring J-Lo and Owen Wilson. Take all the chemistry she had with George Clooney and Out of Sight and subtract it all. And that's the chemistry that is there with (laughs) Owen Wilson, I think. This, I mean, the premise is just crazy. I don't even need to describe it, I feel, because this trailer is ubiquitous. You have seen the entire movie if you see the trailer. Like, the trailer ends with them saying, oh, something over the past six weeks, and they kiss. It's like, thank you. I don't have to go anymore. (laughs) And there's this song that J-Lo sings. It's almost like this trailer is a music video for this song. Mm -hmm. It's like, on my way to you. And the only thing, because my brain is just, it's so stunted by having an Oscars-themed podcast. All I could think of was, next year, we're going to get the Oscars shortlist, and we're going to see Marry Me on that list for original song. Oh, gosh. What a thought to have Oscar-nominated Marry Me. That's enough of that. But it's coming out February 11th, very soon. Our next release is The Batman Probably of the trailers we have seen so far, the biggest movie coming in 2022. It has a March 4th release date, distributed by Warner Brothers, but it's not going to be on HBO Max. Warner Brothers has made it pretty clear that they want to end this whole same-day release on HBO Max thing for 2022. This movie, starring Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz, has an almost three-hour runtime. It looks very dark. 
Very excited for Greg Frazier's cinematography. It looks like a really fun, adventurous time. Are you excited for this? I am excited for it. I mean, two hours and 55 minutes, that is a time. The Dark Knight Rises was 2.45, and you could feel that, I think, in some of the mm-hmm. meandering plot lines that were happening there. But yeah, Paul Dano as the Riddler, Colin Farrell as Penguin. I feel like this cast is amazing, and I'm very excited to see what Rob Pattinson does with this character and what his version of Batman is like. I absolutely love the Nolan movies, specifically The Dark Knight. So I'm going to try my best, I think, not to compare this to those, to just have it be its own thing, but I can't make any promises. I am excited for it, though. I'm a supporter in everything that Rob Pattinson does, have been since Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Is this like a DC property? Is that why it's different? No, it's not. So this is more like how Sony made Spider-Man outside of the MCU with Sam Raimi. Um, I think it's similar to that. So it's not technically in the universe. We would have to ask Ryan to get confirmation. (laughs) I was like, this doesn't mean anything. I don't know why I asked. I know, it always (laughs) confuses me. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure Ben Affleck is still, he's Batman of the DC universe. Okay. Christian Bale's the best Batman, though. And next we have, so another franchise movie, Legally Blonde 3. This supposedly comes out May 20th. I mean, Legally Blonde 2 was really bad, but Mindy Kaling is writing this script. So I have faith in that, especially after The Sex Lives of College Girls on HBO, which I really loved. And Jennifer Coolidge is returning, according to Mindy Kaling on Andy Cohen's show, Watch What Happens Live. So that is also Mm -hmm. a reason to celebrate. Will it be good? Who knows? Will I see it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, getting this whole group back together, always exciting. I will say I haven't rewatched Legally Blonde 2 since that came out. So hopefully it's more like the original, but anything with Jennifer Coolidge, I love that she's having a resurgence. Mm -hmm. Me too. Next up on our list with a June 24th release date is The Black Phone. This trailer horrified me. I was worried at first. I was like, wait, is this a sinister movie? Because Ethan Hawke is in it. And I was like, oh my god. It's terrifying and apparently came out somewhere during 2021 because it has a 79 on Metascore, which is pretty good. Here's a short description. After being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, like that's enough right there. Mm -hmm. A 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. No. Just, oh my god. And... Ethan Hawke, who doesn't even look like himself in this mask, is like in the best way, scary, awful. But Mm -hmm. the subject matter, everything that's happening, it it has that Prisoners, Denis Villeneuve vibe to it, Mm -hmm. but like going further with it. This trailer is terrifying. Scott Derrickson did direct Sinister, but as far as I know, it's not a part of that. It's a separate thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Check out this trailer if you haven't seen it yet and you're into horror. I'm excited. It looks horrifying. Next, we have Thor Love and Thunder coming out July 8th. Have you ever seen a Thor film? I have not. No. Not even Ragnarok, which people rave about. I've kind of been on a Marvel kick the past few days. I watched Shang-Chi, which I did like. It was one of Marvel's best. Mm -hmm. I'm partway through Eternals. Enough said about that. 
maybe I'll watch Ragnarok, but I don't know. Three and three days is kind of pushing it. That is pushing it for you. That's um, that's an that's an interesting adventure that you're going on. Mm-hmm. I have seen Ragnarok, and I I liked Ragnarok. It worked for me okay. like, as far as MCU movies go. But because of Endgame and then watching Black Widow, I'm very confused where anything is happening in this timeline. Oh yeah. So this isn't a movie that I'm like thrilled to see necessarily, but. Taika is back directing it and he directed Ragnarok. So maybe mm-hmm. it will have a similar vibe to it and could be really good. I do love Natalie Portman and she's in it. So that's more reason for me to check it out. And then for all the Marvel fans out there, I know we don't highlight them as much as we should, but other Marvel movies coming out this year, we have Morbius, which isn't a part of the MCU's phase four coming out Friday. And then we also have Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness coming May 6th. And then Black Panther Wakanda Forever coming November 11th. As a massive Benedict Cumberbatch fan now, after the power of the dog, I feel like I need to see Doctor Strange (laughs) and the Multiverse of Madness. (laughs) But I think the most intriguing one to me here is definitely Wakanda Forever. Um, Black Panther was the Marvel movie that did really well at the Oscars, right? It got nominated for Best Picture. It's one of my favorite Marvel movies for sure. And I'm just curious if this is going to get delayed again because they've had so many issues on set with Letitia Wright in particular. So I'm very curious if they will actually make this release date of November 11th or if they'll have to move it. It is directed by Ryan Coogler again, so mm-hmm. it is promising. But yeah, I'm I'm curious if this date will hold. Didn't they like just start filming and then three days later they had to close again? It's just been on and off. That's horrible. Problems. And going back to Doctor Strange really quickly, the fun fact here is that Sam Raimi is directing, who had done the original Sony Spider-Man trilogy. Oh, and this that's is his good. first entry in the MCU. So I wonder how that if people come back from that again. Who knows? Yeah, it's really hard when an exciting director is doing a Marvel movie because as you are currently experiencing with Eternals, (laughs) sometimes it doesn't work out because their vision, the MCU company vision is ultimately what Mm -hmm. takes the cake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Enough on that. (laughs) Next we have Bullet Train, which is coming July 15th. I'm very intrigued by this. This is a Japanese dark satirical novel adaptation. It's about five assassins who wind up on a Japanese bullet train and soon realize their assignments are connected. It's directed by David Leach. It stars Brad Pitt, Sandra Bullock, Zazie Beetz, Aaron Taylor Johnson, and Joey King of Kissing Booth fame. Brad Pitt is living this year. He's producing a number of projects. He's going to be acting again in quite a few things. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm excited for this. This feels like that big summer action thriller, that type of movie. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to this, just kind of reading about the author of the novel and the series it's a part of and the huge cast. So yeah, this should be a big hit. Next up is Jordan Peele's next movie called Nope, coming out July 22nd. Not much is known about this. Another stellar cast, Barbie Ferreira from Euphoria, Kiki Palmer again, Daniel Kaluuya, and Steven Yeun, I think pretty eclectic bunch of actors which is exciting and it will be shot by one of my favorite dps hoyte van hoytema who shot Mm -hmm. tenet 
Her, Dunkirk, Interstellar, Ad Astra. So to have all those huge worlds being portrayed, I wonder how that's going to fit into a Jordan Peele movie because his are more introspective, not super showy. So I'm intrigued by that choice. I am too. I'm very, very excited about this cast. Just a lot of fun here. I love all of these people. I think we could have put this in our like Oscar potential adult drama section, but the thing about Jordan Peele's movies, they're really well made, but they also connect with audiences. This has potential to make a lot of money this summer, mm-hmm. and I'm very, very excited to see what it's all about and how he can follow up Get Out and Us, because I think Get Out was a bit sharper, Us though had so many big ideas in it and we got that incredible Lupita Nyong'o performance so Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you are excited about the next one which is Halloween Ends comes out October 14th (laughs) David Gordon Green is back finishing up the trilogy that started with Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills Kyle Richards is also returning are you excited for this is this Jamie Lee Curtis's last Halloween too I mean, can anything ever be be. the last franchise movie? We never really know. But supposedly, it's like evil dies tonight. The description is the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode comes to an end. So it definitely has a lot to live up to. I'm very excited, very nervous. Hopefully some bigger kills. Very intrigued. It can only go up from here for me. We famously (laughs) were very split over Halloween kills. So yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping this one is better than that. Next up, we have another murder sequel. We have Knives Out 2. This will be released at the end of 2022 on Netflix. I really liked Knives Out. I love a murder mystery. Kind of took us to new places, had some quirky characters like Tony Collette. And this will have just as insane a cast. I remember... There was a time on Twitter where they would just like release new people every day for who would be in this movie. It was like a never ending cast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Daniel Craig will be returning. We also have Catherine Hahn, which is probably the most exciting thing for me. Mm -hmm. Ethan Hawke, Edward Norton, Kate Hudson, Janelle Monet, Leslie Odom Jr. I'm sure more to come. Plot unknown. And it will be released at fall festivals at the end of the year, which... It's kind of surprising, but, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. it could turn into one of those, like, Toronto Audience Award or one that really kind of gets hyped up. Another one I'm excited for, oddly, is Ticket to Paradise. This is a movie that stars Julia Roberts and George Clooney. I'm so happy George Clooney is acting and not directing. Very, you know, very happy (laughs) about that. I love a Julia Roberts vehicle. And in this movie, they play a divorced couple that teams up and travels to Bali to stop their daughter from making the same mistake they made 25 years ago. Which just sounds fun. I feel like this will get nominated for the AARP Movies for Grownups Awards. <laughs> I was going to say it probably would have been a while since they had acted together, but they were both in Money Monster together from 2016. That Jodie Foster movie? Mm-hmm. And definitely a really, really big one we've been waiting for for years and years. It was supposed to come out like eight years ago, I think, is Avatar 2. Supposed release date is December 16th, so I hope we stick to that. The big addition here is Kate Winslet. So 
I'm excited for this new world. I think James Cameron has been working on like new technology for this. And I know we have, what, four more coming in the Avatar universe. So we'll be 55 and still talking about the new Avatars probably. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. This reminds me of like George R.R. Martin writing the Game of Thrones books. Will they ever come to fruition? Who knows? Mm. Unless it's in front of me, then I will believe. But I'm excited. I'll go see it when it comes out. I was cracking up when you made this note in the outline, which is that we still have two Pinocchio movies coming. (laughs) The Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio and a Robert Zemeckis Pinocchio. (sighs) Yeah, and Zemeckis is is through Disney. So it's a live action remake of the original Disney one, which we all know. And it stars Tom Hanks as Geppetto, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Jiminy Cricket. My favorite cast member is Lorraine Bracco as Sophia the Seagull. (laughs) Wow, that is appealing to me for so many reasons. (laughs) And there are plenty more in the cast. There are so many. I think the one little tidbit we did get is when Cynthia Erivo posted like a four-second teaser on Twitter of her as the Blue Fairy. So... I am excited for her music. And then from the Guillermo del Toro version, we have Cate Blanchett. I don't know what world we're living in here, but probably very different than Disney's imagining. Along with Kate, we have Ewan McGregor, Tilda Swinton, Christoph Waltz, David Bradley, who played Filch from Harry Potter. Oh. Lots of people here. John Turturro, Tim Blake Nelson, Finn Wolfhard again. So... Sure, it'll be, like, really weird. Yeah, that one sounds like it'll be scary. Like, maybe have Mm -hmm. some horror elements to it. So I'd probably prefer that one, but we'll see. And then another Disney piece, we're getting Hocus Pocus 2. The original trio is coming back. And also, which is exciting, Hannah Waddingham is joining. This will be released on Disney+. Plus. I'm sure, like, around October. I read the description and was excited that the original witches will be back. That's important. And it'll be three girls who summon them back. So it's a very similar premise, I think, to the first one. But yeah, excited about Hannah Waddingham, too. I like the first one. I just wish it had more of the witches. So I'm hoping this one will focus more on the witches and less on the kids. We also have Matilda. It's an adaptation of the musical starring Emma Thompson as Miss Trunchbull and Lashana Lynch as Miss Honey. My thing here is just why, because the Danny DeVito Matilda was a staple in my house growing up. Like that was one of my favorite movies Mm -hmm. as a kid. So I just don't really get why they're touching it. I guess, you know, it's a take on the musical, but that Matilda with Mara Wilson will always be my Matilda. The musical came out after the movie. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting how this Matilda world has advanced. So I never saw Matilda on Broadway, though. So I'm curious about the differences. But I do love Emma Thompson playing Miss Mm -hmm. Trunchbull, who will probably have some lovely prosthetics. And, you know, I want that chocolate cake scene with her. Oh, yes. That better better be included. (laughs) I saw this next one come up and I was like, what? We're doing this? It's Reagan with Dennis Quaid in a biopic about the president. (sighs) (laughs) This feels like one of those conservative propaganda movies that comes out in theaters like Easter weekend. Mm -mm. I don't know. I don't know if I need this. Every awards body needs to stay so far away 
from this biopic. <laughs> I know they are so tempted by biopic performances. Dennis Quaid playing Reagan. That's like sticking your hand in the box from Dune. Just don't do it. I love how the poster is just him with the cowboy hat on. Well, I laughed at the poster when I saw this in the outline because that poster is the picture of Reagan that Danny's grandmother has hanging in the house when Lady Bird goes there for Thanksgiving. Oh my God. It's that Reagan. (laughs) Okay, that's hilarious. (laughs) Um, And this next one is also just like a potentially, hopefully big box office feature. It's Fire Island which is directed by Andrew Ahn, who directed Driveways. It kind of surprised me with that choice. Mm-hmm. But it's written by Joel Kim Booster. When the news broke that this was happening and that Bowen Yang and Margaret Cho were starring, I was just so excited for this. Fire Island being the gay island getaway a couple hours out of New York. And the fact that this is an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Yes. I am, you know, the Fire Island world Plus that is like question mark, question mark, question mark. I have no idea what this is going to be, but it's going to be really funny. And it has a Hulu release. This better be like a June release as well. I'm very excited. Yeah. I mean, this this screams summer release. I love Mm -hmm. that it's a searchlight picture too. That's so fun. And Mm -hmm. yeah, the second that I saw that a movie called Fire Island was an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. I just got so excited. I I need to know everything. I have to see it. And with that cast too. Anything Mm -hmm. that Bowen Yang is a part of, I want to be a part of too. Exactly. And then we'll just go through some animated releases next. So these aren't ones that we will probably cover in depth until we get to Oscar season, discussing potential and things like that. We have Turning Red, which is a Pixar release. That trailer is out. I know that they are putting that straight to Disney Plus, which is really sad considering what happened with Luca. I hope this movie mm-hmm. is good. We also have a Chicken Run sequel called Dawn of the Nugget. I loved Chicken Run as a kid, so who knows what's going to happen here. And then along with this, we're also getting another Wallace and Gromit film. My favorite, favorite animation from growing up. Mine too. I love Wallace and Gromit. I will definitely see this. We had like a three-pack VHS tape growing up (laughs) of these different little Wallace and Gromit movies that I wore out, rewinding, (laughs) fast-forwarding, watching them all the time. So I'm excited for this too. The last time we had a movie from them was in 2005 with The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Another excited animated movie coming is the Bob's Burgers movie. And this was delayed too. I haven't seen some of the new ones, but I've seen every other episode in its 13 season history, which like, I don't, yeah, that's insane. I love the comedy. I love the characters, Linda, Tina. The movie has like a really big premise to save the restaurant in the city. So I'm excited to see what happens. I haven't seen a single episode of Bob's Burgers. (laughs) That's crazy. I know. Animation. (laughs) For adults, like, I've just never... I haven't done any of them, really. Like, Mm -hmm. I've never seen South Park, Futurama, Rick and Morty. I've never (laughs) seen anything. Okay, I love Rick and Morty. I think with Bob's Burgers, it's just an easy show to put on in the background. Like, Mm -hmm. whenever I'm cleaning or whatever. And 
it's just been on for so long. Like the ideas that are there are still really fresh and I like them, but you don't really have to pay attention. When I finish my Mad Men rewatch, I will do Bob's Burgers. <laughs> I just have Mad Men, Ozark, and then Great I will way do to Bob's Burgers. Up. Yes. <laughs> We're also getting Lightyear from Pixar. Yeah, Buzz Lightyear. I don't know if it's a prequel or just like about the character, but we get a hot buzz in the trailer played by Chris Evans. So this will probably be Pixar's big push for the Oscars next year. So keep your eyes on this one. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that this will be the big Pixar push next year for the Oscars. And we will get a similar thing that's happening where people might like Turning Red better, kind of like they did with Onward compared to Soul. But yeah, two of them next year. But I would bank on Lightyear being the big one. We're also getting Strange World from Disney Animation Studios. And I think another big one, a big contender for animated feature Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Into the Spider-Verse was a big deal, that one animated feature. And that's coming out October 7th, and Daniel Pemberton is doing the score. I think the shocking part of this to me is that it's a Part 1. Part 2 is apparently coming next year. If a movie is successful, they will franchise it and make multiple parts. So our next little grouping, we're going to talk about some A24 movies coming this year. The first is The Sky is Everywhere directed by Josephine Decker, who made Shirley and Madeline's Madeline. So you're thrilled for this one, right? Well, those are so different. Like this is a Mm rom-com adapted from a YA novel. Like it couldn't be any different. And it's streaming on Apple TV Plus on February 11th. So very, very soon. We also have a movie called X. The trailer came out for this. It's giving Texas Chainsaw vibes. Mm Mm-hmm. This is coming out March 18th. The description here, in 1979, some young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Kansas, but when their reclusive elderly hosts catch them in the act, the cast members find themselves in a fight for their lives. This has a fun cast, too. Jenna Ortega from the new Scream, Mia Goth, who I love, Brittany Snow, and it's directed by Ty West. I love a good slasher. Also Kid Cudi in it. Oh, again? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to say it like that. Don't look up. It's just full of bad memories for me. (laughs) (laughs) And Ty West directed VHS, which I really loved. And also Mm -hmm. The House of the Devil. Oh, I liked that too. It has that similar reimagining vibe that Scream kind of has with Mm -hmm. Texas Chainsaw, which could make this really good. The trailer is a red band trailer. So we get some like gory elements in there already. So we know it's going to be a lot. And then our next release from A24 on March 25th is Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is another trailer we have starring the incredible Michelle Yeoh, written and directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, who both wrote and directed Swiss Army Man from A24, which that was bizarre. You have like... (laughs) That was so strange. (laughs) Speaking of strange... I cannot wait for this next one, Disappointment Boulevard, which is coming out April 22nd. But this is Ari Aster's new film, follow-up to Midsummer, which I have loved both of Ari Aster's films so far. This is his largest scale film yet. It has an incredible cast, Parker Posey, Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Ryan, Nathan Lane, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Patti Lapone. This is supposed to be a comedy horror film, 
that is described Mm. as an intimate decade-spanning portrait of one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. Again, Ari Aster has not missed for me yet, so Mm -hmm. I'm very excited for this. I'm scared with him going so big. Mm-hmm. Like when this happens to really any filmmaker that we like on a smaller scale, but there is lots of potential and I feel the same way. I loved everything that Ari has given us. Mm-hmm. We also, another one coming, not sure of a date yet, but it's called Red, White, and Water starring Jennifer Lawrence. She definitely has a lot of movies coming out. We also have the Elizabeth Holmes film where that is apparently being produced by Adam McKay. We don't have a date for that one yet either, but Red, White, and Water is about a U.S. soldier who suffers a traumatic brain injury while fighting in Afghanistan and struggles to adjust to life back home. Others that might show up in 2022 are Kelly Reichert's collaboration with Michelle Williams. It's called Showing Up. And Darren Aronofsky's next movie with Brendan Fraser called The Whale, which... Um, I thought this was about like Jonah and the Whale and Brendan Fraser, but apparently Brendan Fraser plays Charlie at 600 pound man, which kind of fits the bill for an Aronofsky movie being so wacko, but I'm excited to see what happens. I usually like Aronofsky, so I'm really scared. to see. I know this you movie. don't. <laughs> I do like his movies. I just only see them once. The only Aronofsky movie I've ever seen more than once is Black Swan. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's very much like I'm going to have a beautiful, terrible time. And then I will think about the movie for a long time and just never work up the courage mentally to watch the movie again. That's how I felt about Mother, Requiem for a Dream. It's just it's Mm -hmm. a one and done experience. And I imagine this will be the same. (laughs) The next movie is really, this is the most me movie on this list. I am so excited. When I read this description, I just stopped. It was like, Joanna Hogg just can see into my brain, knows exactly what I want. (laughs) This movie is called The Eternal Daughter. It is written and directed by Joanna Hogg and stars Tilda Swinton. Here's the description. In this ghost story, a middle-aged daughter and her elderly mother must confront long-buried secrets when they return to their former family home, a once grand manor that has become a nearly vacant hotel brimming with mystery. Mm. I can't wait. This sounds like right up my alley. Probably will be a movie I watch multiple times, just like the souvenir in the souvenir part two. This sounds much spookier though. Yeah, much spookier, but lots of internal conflict, lots of Mm -hmm. inner drama, which I love. Give me anything with Tilda, so Mm -hmm. I'm in. Now our biggest category we'll be talking about movies with oscar or awards potential so keep an eye on these for later on next year once we start talking you know oh my god Mm -hmm. once we start doing Um, it all over again i think today we're just excited to be talking about different movies the first one to come out it has a release date of april 24th is 13 lives so from reading the description it just sounds like a live action version of the documentary The Rescue, which made the shortlist this year. It's directed by Ron Howard. That's a key note here. Mm-hmm. And it's written by William Nicholson, who is a two-time screenplay nominee. Yeah, he was last nominated for Gladiator for screenplay. So he's been to the Oscars before. Both of them have been to the Oscars before. You know, Ron Howard's last feature wasn't exactly our cup of tea, <laughs> nor the Academy's cup of tea, but we have to put it here because... 
it is possible that they could recognize him again. And it stars Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell, also Joel Edgerton. But it's about the rescue mission from Thailand where a soccer team with their coach, they got trapped in this system of underground caves that were flooding. Another movie that I'm so intrigued by is the Elvis biopic by Baz Luhrmann starring Austin Butler as Elvis and Tom Hanks as Elvis's manager. Anytime we have a biopic, I think we flag it immediately as something to keep our eyes on. And I think I'm particularly interested in how Baz Luhrmann will capture the aesthetic of Elvis's career and life. And his movies are always very flashy, very colorful. If we think about The Great Gatsby, Romeo and Juliet, Moulin Rouge. So I'm excited to see this and to see what they do with it because it doesn't really seem like based on the director, it will be your typical biopic. And I think Austin Butler is an interesting choice to play Elvis because he hasn't been in any really big awardsy movies yet. So I wonder if this will be like his way into the spotlight. Obviously, Tom Hanks being there too. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Our next movie is called Tar. It has an October 7th release date. It was directed by Todd Field, who is a three-time Oscar nominee, twice for screenplay with In the Bedroom and Little Children, and then also for picture for In the Bedroom. This will be his return to the screen after 15 years, and it details the first ever female chief conductor of a major German orchestra. Played by Kate Blanchett. I also love In the Bedroom. It is very much my speed of that like searing adult drama with mm-hmm. really strong performances. So I'm I'm excited for this one. Anytime someone takes a long break like that, and they've also played Nick Nightingale and Eyes Wide Shut, I'm mm-hmm. I'm here for it. <laughs> Our next movie that we have is coming out November 18th, and it's called She Said. And this film depicts the work done by journalist Jody Cantor and Megan Tuohy, who broke the story of Harvey Weinstein's sexual misconduct allegations. This movie stars Zoe Kazan, Carrie Mulligan, and Patricia Clarkson. Very excited by that cast. And I have not read this book, but people rave about the book. And I feel like this could be a really strong movie as far as screenplay goes. Thinking of movies like All the President's Men, Spotlight. I love those kind of like newsroom journalist movies. The director, Maria Schrader, has kind of an interesting awards history because she won for directing Unorthodox, the limited series, and she's also up right now for I'm Your Man in the international feature category. So another one in November on the 23rd, we have The Fablemans being released by Universal, another Steven Spielberg picture, and it's semi-autobiographical about his childhood. It'll star Seth Rogen, Michelle Williams, and Julia Butters. I think any Spielberg picture we get is immediately an awards picture. So I kind Mm -hmm. of expect, especially, you know, we have Belfast this year, something semi-autobiographical that is any bit nostalgic makes us feel something for that filmmaker. So I think this definitely has some potential. Absolutely. I'm also excited for the return of Julia Butters, who had one of my favorite performances in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The next one I am just, I, I don't even know what to say about it, really. (laughs) It is White Noise. It's going to be a 2022 Netflix release. It is written and directed by Noah Baumbach. And it's based on the the classic postmodern work, White Noise by Don DeLillo. 
stars Adam Driver, Don Cheadle, Greta Gerwig. And I am really scared for this movie because I love this book. But not only do I love the book, I feel that the book might be an impossible screen adaptation in a similar way to Inherent Vice. Ooh, yeah, that's kind of scary. Have you read White Noise before? Okay. Mm -mm. The premise of it is fascinating and I think could definitely connect with audiences currently if they handle it right. So it's about this guy, Jack Gladney, who Adam Driver is playing. He's a professor of Hitler studies at the College on the Hill. And his wife, Babette, is played by Greta Gerwig. And they also have four kids. And everything in their world just kind of falls apart by this thing called the airborne toxic event, which occurs when a train accident casts chemical waste over the town. Hmm. And I don't want to get into, I guess, what's hard about the book necessarily or why I think it will be challenging to adapt. But it has a lot of satire in it which I think could be very fun and mm -hmm. could work really well. But it's just, I mean, it's a brilliant novel. It's going to be a challenge to adapt. I also reread it pretty recently when I found out that he was going to make this movie. And I just can't get it out of my head that I wanted Tracy Letts and Carrie Coon to play this couple. Ooh, they're a great go-to. I know, especially because this movie was filmed in Ohio. It was filmed in Cleveland, mm -hmm. which is exciting. But yeah, I wanted one of our Ohio heroes in it. And I feel like they're right for the parts. Very curious to see Adam Driver in this role. He is not, not close to what I pictured when I read the book. <laughs> anyway, all this to say, I'm excited to see it. Next up, we have Killers of the Flower Moon, which is like our most exciting film, mm -hmm. I think, coming this year. Oh, yes. It has a Christmas release date on December 25th, released by Apple TV+, Plus, which sold to Apple for $200 million, which is just insane. So I am just very intrigued. This is an adaptation of a book written by David Gran of the same title, and Eric Roth adapted the screenplay, which we've mentioned a few times on the pod. He's a five-time nominee, one-time winner for Forrest Gump. All of this just screams, give me the Oscars. We have Scorsese directing, Leo, Robert De Niro, Jesse Plemons, and Lily Gladstone. Yeah, this movie is, is it. Like, this book is really, really good. I highly recommend the book. Yeah, I mean, it's Scorsese making a Western. I feel like it's going to be his grand return. I think that this story is... It's so historic. It is about murder. It's a crime drama, which Scorsese can excel in, but it's away from the mob. And I like when mm -hmm. Scorsese goes away from mob movies. Not that he needs to prove that he can do that, but they're always very good. And it also details this FBI investigation that comes out of the murders of the Osage tribe. It will definitely be a better movie that mentions J. Edgar Hoover than being the Ricardos. <laughs> I think we can count on that. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so excited for this. Anytime Scorsese makes a movie, we pay attention. Mm -hmm. So, and Jesse Plemons. Excited for him to be in another Western by another favorite director of mine. Next, we have Babylon, which is another big, highly anticipated release coming out Christmas Day. This is Damien Chazelle's follow-up to First Man. It's rumored to be set in period Hollywood with Margot Robbie playing Clara Bow. It also stars Brad Pitt, Tobey Maguire, Olivia Wilde, Gene Smart. We 
love La La Land. I know that mm-hmm. it's not always cool to like La La Land, but we do. Yeah, not a lot is known about this, but I'm wondering how it will compare to something like Mank. And anytime also that we have old Hollywood, Hollywood nostalgia, the Academy tends to pay attention. So I think we can maybe count on that with this one, especially Linus Sandgren is returning as his DP, who also shot La La Land. So I'm excited. Next up on our list is Poor Things, which is a searchlight release directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, which we love his follow up to The Favorite, which is one of my favorites. It's a story of Belle Baxter, a woman brought back to life by an eccentric but brilliant scientist. And it stars Emma Stone again. Also, Willem Dafoe, Catherine Hunter, Mark Ruffalo, and Margaret Qualley. Anything he gives us is going to be off the wall. I'm very excited. I mean, we know Emma Stone did great work and the favorite. I wish Olivia Coleman were returning as well. But especially from this description, whatever he does would be great. I'm very hot and cold on Lanthimos, but... This sounds like an exciting premise, especially if Willem Dafoe is playing the eccentric but brilliant scientist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really hope that that's the case. And like you said, Emma Stone did great work in The Favorite. I feel like he really understands her as an actress and her capabilities. So I'm excited for this. The next one. Oh, my God. Have you read the description for this? Heard Mm -mm. of this? Okay. This next movie is called Women Talking. It's directed by Sarah Polly and produced by Frances McDormand and Brad Pitt. Here's the description. One evening, eight Mennonite women climb into a hayloft to conduct a secret meeting. For the past two years, each of these women and more than 100 other girls in their colony has been repeatedly violated in the night by demons coming to punish them for their sins. It stars Frances McDormand, Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley. What? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Bizarre. I don't know why this screams Fran, but it does. It it does. (laughs) Like producing and starring, she's back. Our next movie is called The Sun, which is not dated, but it'll be distributed by Sony Pictures Classics. It's directed by Florian Zeller, which I laughed when I saw this title because he Mm -hmm. made The Father. Um, (laughs) It stars Vanessa Kirby, Hugh Jackman, Anthony Hopkins, and Laura Dern. So I love the cast sounds like it might be a little bigger than what the father was yeah the title is very funny just considering it's like is it a sequel to the father where he just called the son (laughs) but the play already exists so it's based on existing material that he's already written Um, and the father was just such a surprise success at the oscars one adapted screenplay anthony hopkins winning best actor so very curious though how it will compare And the screenplay is adapted by Christopher Hampton, who is a two-time winner, one-time nominee at the Oscars. He won for Dangerous Liaisons and The Father, and then was nominated for Atonement. All great movies. Definitely. Next, we have an important one to me, and that is Bradley Cooper's (laughs) directorial follow-up to A Star is Born. It's called Maestro. It's about Leonard Bernstein, and Bradley Cooper is playing him. In description here, the complex love of Leonard and Felicia from the time they met in 1946 at a party and continuing through two engagements, a 25-year marriage, and three children. I can't wait, obviously. It also stars Jeremy Strong. I have a lot of questions about this movie. (laughs) I don't know what to make of it, but it just feels like Bradley Cooper knows exactly what type of actor, director he wants to be. 
And mm-hmm. like, given his performance this year in Licorice Pizza, which I loved, like getting the return of unhinged Cooper, this makes me nervous for a number of reasons. I mean, obviously I'm excited to see it, but I do have complicated feelings, especially because Jake Gyllenhaal wanted the rights to this and he lost them to Bradley Cooper. So oh, we'll have wow. to cover that whole saga when we do this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like they both have a similar energy. They're both hot. <laughs> that too. <laughs> they look alike. <laughs> next up on the list is Asteroid City, Wes Anderson's next movie. Another movie with an unknown plot, but rumored to be a love story set in Europe. We got a little teaser when we saw the French Dispatch. They showed like the set in a desert with a lot of the characters. It has a lot of his staple actors. Also Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Margot Robbie adding to that. And his largest scale film to date. Yeah, it was it was fun getting that little teaser of part of the set when we saw the French Dispatch and Tilda like Skyped in with Wes. <laughs> but yeah, I always forget too. At first I I thought, oh my god, Wes Anderson already has another movie, but the French Dispatch was one of those that was delayed to twenty twenty one, was supposed to come out at Cannes twenty twenty. So it does make sense. But yeah, we get back to back Wes years. I wouldn't be surprised if this one got pushed to twenty twenty three given the slate that we have. And our last movie that we have was a delayed movie from last year called Next Goal Wins. This is a Searchlight release directed by Taika Waititi. I don't know if this is also going to be pushed to 2023, but you told me a very interesting fact about this movie before we started recording today, if you would like Mm. to share that with the listeners. Well, I remember this was supposed to come out before all of the Army Hammer stuff got released about... Mm -hmm what he had done or I was like they should have just released it and gotten it over with but now it just like kept getting pushed but apparently it was getting pushed because they were doing reshoots with Will Arnett being recast as the Army Hammer character and I was like oh my god one because that switch does not seem like it fits (laughs) that's not that's not who I would guess (laughs) like are we getting dramatic Will Arnett I don't know how know, that's going like, to work. Did they have Army Hammer doing comedy? Like what what was <laughs> happening here? I don't know. Ultimately, it's a great thing that they did reshoot. Get Army Hammer out of that movie. We've seen from mm-hmm. a movie we didn't talk about today that if it is coming out, Death on the Nile, how hard they're trying to hide Army Hammer's presence in that trailer. So, yeah, it's a it's a good oh, thing wow. that they decided to reshoot it. I totally forgot that he was in that. And you don't see him in the trailer at all. Mm-mm. No, it's a problematic oh crew happening on that oh, boat. Geez. <laughs> it's all Gal Gadot and Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> Hopefully I'll have enough champagne to get through that movie, <laughs> as Gal would say. So we just went through so many movies that are hopefully coming out this year. It'll be interesting to see which ones we talked about today that get pushed, like some of the ones that we discussed today that got pushed from 2021. I think we have a fun year in film ahead, getting some brand new films from some of our favorite directors. And yeah, I can't wait to see these and find out which ones will be my favorites. And then also which ones we don't know about yet, be it awards players or just random movies or directorial debuts. It's kind of the exciting thing is we start the year knowing about so many, but then 
many more pop up. So if you could pick three movies of everything we've talked about to see tomorrow, which ones would you choose? Well, first I would choose Deep Water. I'm just kidding, actually. No, that can just... No? When it happens, it happens. There are so many good ones on this list. I need to just get Deep Water off the brain and live with euphoria for now. Um, Three is so hard. Wow, there are so many. I think the biggest one, just my most anticipated, is Killers of the Flower Moon. I want the Scorsese, Leo, Robert De Niro return. I'm just excited to see what this big budget Scorsese movie looks like. Can't wait for that. I think my next one would be Women Talking, actually, the Sarah Polly movie with Fran. It just sounds absolutely bananas crazy. And I just got the book from the library, and I'm really excited to read it. And my third one, I'm going to go with Disappointment Boulevard, the Ari Aster movie. It's coming soon enough, so... I think it's like I needed one in there that was a bit closer to be excited for. And this is definitely the one given how I feel about his other movies so far. What about you? First off, I have to say Fire Island. I just need like a really funny comedy and I know this is going to deliver. My other two, I think I have to go with The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. (laughs) (laughs) Again, just another fun ride. Why not? I need all the Nicolas Cage. Mm Mm-hmm. And for my third movie, I'm going to say Nope, uh, Jordan Peele's film. That's a good one, too. And it's funny because, like, I definitely thought about doing White Noise and Maestro, Mm -hmm. but I think I just need more time to realize that those are happening. And, you know, the second Maestro comes out, I'm going to think about Bradley Cooper's Oscar prospects, and Mm -hmm. I don't need that right now. That's bad for my (laughs) mental health. So Well, let's see if he is nominated or wins first for this, and then we can figure out oh, what maestro, maestro will be. Enough of that. <laughs> Talk about a segue to our next episode. Bradley Cooper. Just kidding. It's not him. But his movie, Nightmare Alley. Yeah, next episode, we'll be sharing our interview with the production designer from Nightmare Alley, Tamara Deverell. So I'm excited to share that with you. We haven't really talked about that movie a lot on the pod yet. Yeah, we haven't. It's funny because that kind of happened in that December swell of releases, and we didn't get a chance to cover some of those. So I'm excited to talk to her. And I I loved the production design of Nightmare Alley. It is incredibly detailed and has very elaborate, vivid sets that really, I think, bring the story and the movie to life. So I'm excited to share that conversation with you all. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Oscar Wilde Pod. If you like our show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye.